Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with intimate and adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is S, and S is for sexless marriage. Sexless marriages take many forms and have a huge impact on all the relationships. Joining me today to discuss this issue is renowned clinical sexologist, Dr. Patty Britton. Dr. Patty Britton is a clinical sexologist, sexuality educator, and the pioneer of sex coaching with top-level credentials. As a well-respected world leader in the field of sexology, she is the author of hundreds of articles, four amazing books, and is a former columnist for Penthouse Forum. Dr. Patty Britton is a Your Tango expert, popular speaker, sought-after trainer, and workshop leader blogs on her own websites, and hosts over 40 DVDs for women's and couples' sexual enhancement. Her media record includes appearances on national television shows, documentaries, live talk, and news radio, and with frequent quotes in magazines like Cosmopolitan, Men's Health, Women's Health, Glamour, Men's Fitness, AOL Health, and WebMD. She has a private practice in Los Angeles and via Skype globally. Dr. Patty is the co-founder of Sex Coach U, the world's premier credentialing and training institute for sex coaching. She's the author of a female-friendly erotic novel and an expert on porn slash erotica from a woman's perspective. She co-hosts a dynamic weekly radio show for the boomer generation at theboomdoctors.com. And when she's not speaking at summits or on media or leading trainings in Los Angeles for her tribe, she and her partner Robert travel the world leading transformational sexology intensives while curating erotic art imagery wherever they go. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> I know that's a lot to say. <laughs> but it's wonderful. It's such a great um, resume of all the interesting things that you've done throughout a stellar career so far. Thank you. And I still have so much passion to do more teaching and training and keep a private practice, and I just love being on podcasts like this. This is such a really fun structure. I love it. Fantastic. I'm, I mean, I'm so glad that you still have the energy to keep going because there's just so much needed out there. Yes. So my, my first question really is how prevalent would you say sexless marriages are? 
Well, you know, the term was actually coined in 2002. So we're talking 15 years ago when the stat was 20% of all marriages, and this was very much United States focused, were defined as sexless. And that term was defined as having sex, that was not defined, <laughs> 10 or less times per year. Mm. So what, what I see, I mean, having been in private practice for so many years, over 30 years, serving the needs of clients, and particularly enjoy working with couples, I've got to tell you, the number one issue is sexlessness. And in my practice, sometimes people have not had sex of any kind, including just affectionate touch that could lead to something like a kiss for two to five years. So it, it's really a, a starvation diet on not having connection flesh to flesh. Wow. I mean, I, whilst I have some similar experience in my practice, and um, I think that's probably the number one issue that people come in with yes. uh, isn't sexual problems. It's actually lack of sex. Um, the, the bit that's actually surprising to me, more surprising to me, is that we're not only talking about lack of sex, but we are going so far as to say two to five years of lack of actual physical affection. Yes, yes. That's the tragedy to me is because people stop touching and they, they really become aversive. They become aversive to touch of any kind other than maybe, you know, blow on mini an air kiss or a kind of you know football field hug, a <laughs> kind of thing. Right. That, that's what's happening. It's so de-eroticized and disconnected. And I really enjoy working with the sexless couple, I think in part because I, I see it as such a tragedy, especially when there are children involved in the relationship and they're not really on the verge of divorce or can they make that choice. And I also think that you know if there's a way to help a couple keep a sustained relationship, I'm there for them. Right. The other, the other thing is that they stop touching. That's really bad because when they stop touching, what's going on is I like to frame things in very metaphoric terms. I'll bet you do too. Yep. And, and I love to tell my couples, look, guys, you're in a contract. You've, you've verbally and or <laughs> by signing on a piece of paper or virtually, you've made a contract to be in this relationship. And if you're monogamous, you've made a contract that this is exclusive, the two of you, and if you're not having sex or you're not touching and you're not expressing yourself in that way and having physical intimacy, however they want to define that, you're actually in violation or breach of your contract. Wonderful. <laughs> and, they, and they go, what? Wonderful. Say, so maybe it's time to look at a new contract or let's get busy. I mean, it's really interesting to me because um, I also deal with a lot with um, non-monogamous couples, um, polyamorous and, and a wide variety of things. And it, one of the interesting problems that gets brought in is when one of the relationships becomes sexless, but not by choice. Yes. So yes, then that, that happens. <laughs> yeah. And that's when jealousy and things come up even if it hasn't come up to that point, suddenly jealousy comes up and the couple come in saying all of a sudden we're having problems with jealousy. And as I start kind of peeling it back with them, I discover that, well, yeah, they, they've become completely sexless and their their partner is out having sex with somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm glad you're bringing up the, the consensual non-monogamous agreement because what happens is that this is one of the, the motivating factors for people to 
basically go underground and cheat or have an affair or mm -hmm. outside relationships or even act on a fantasy or a longing without really communicating about it. The, the greatest deficit that I see among couples is not the lack of frequency of sex. It's the lack of ability to talk about sex. Oh, God, yes. That, that's the biggest problem. And, and at the same time, you know, I'll just piggyback on that for a sec. Mm. At the same time, in psychology, the focus is always in treatment on relationship dynamics and teach them how to communicate and the sex will get fixed. And that is not what we see. As sexologists, what we see is that all the talking in the world is not necessarily going to address what's not happening in the bedroom because it's so layered and so complex and there are so many causal factors. But not talking about it can be one of those factors. And to use an outside relationship as a cure or a fix for a lack of sex in the relationship is really a prescription for doomsday. And I really help my clients look at that before they enter into that dangerous zone. You know, it's really interesting to me that you bring up the difference in terms of psychology because I actually, I'm both a psychologist and a coach. And, and as a psychologist, I was always and still am very pragmatic. And one of the issues with um, many people who enter into long-term therapy is that they don't learn to take what they have discovered, uncovered, realized, the insight they have, and actually turn it into action in the world. So they end up talking about lots of stuff, but they can't figure out how to how to make the, the, the behavioral and the physical changes. Yes. Um, and so what you're talking about is that as sexologists, you're coming at it from the perspective of saying, yes, we need to communicate, but we also need to look at the other cause and actually get people physically moving, which is something I've always felt really strongly about that, you know, yes, you do need to communicate, but you also need to do. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, classically sexology is much more behavioral mm -hmm. and, and less focusing on emotional states. But let's figure out what you want to do and let's get you moving toward that goal. And let's teach you because so many people come in with a, a lack of skill. I, I have a new client I was working with on Saturday talking about how they're in a marriage where they had no other lovers before they got married, highly religious people. And I'm all for whatever people's values are, but one of the problems is they don't know how to do sex. <laughs> and so yeah. they're, you know, they're groping their way through it five years later, one child later, and they're suffering because it's not working. Yeah. And kissing isn't working because they have this distorted view of how to kiss. And something as simple and as basic and elemental as kissing can be the gateway to exquisite and lasting sexual connection. So I, I see this happening in many clients, whether they're in a you know an, an arranged marriage or they've had many 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 partners and and really are within that consensual non monogamous population. I, I mean, I, it's I, our experience really does mirror each other I think in that way because so many people really don't don't have the skills they don't have the communication skills they don't have the sexual skills they don't have the negotiation skills and 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 often they've spent years with people telling them well you know you need to just figure out what you want and not giving them the tools to do so 
Yeah, I, I once uh, had the privilege of being on a series on NBC, one of our you know primary networks here in the states, and one of the shows was on helping a couple who were sexless and not communicating, and I came up with what I call the CNAC solution, and that is people have to learn how to communicate, then negotiate, then agree, and then the dirty C word, compromise. Oh, <laughs> That's the dirtiest C word in the English language. And, and that CNAC solution often involves, I love to teach my couples how to use the, the equivalent of a talking stick. Mm -hmm. And I see in my couples, and I tend to work more with heterosexual couples, although I'm certainly open to anybody who wants that kind of work with me as a clinical sexologist. But I, I think that what I observe is that many times men are terrified when a female partner says, I need to tell you something. I'm like, can we talk? Yes. And he goes, Oh no, this is going to go on forever. And and you know what she has to say may take a while, but with a talking stick, it time limits how couples interact and talk to each other. And I find that really, really helps. When I'm working with a sexless couple, one of the first steps is we really have to kind of diagnose or assess what is stopping you. What are the great boulders in the road of your relationship? And, you know, it could be a myriad of things which we could talk about. Mm. But then we have to come up with action plans, action right. steps that get them out of the rut. It's kind of like, you know, they've been in a train wreck and they don't know how to get that train back on the track so they can continue on their way in that relationship. They don't have the tools. They don't even know what questions to ask. They just feel stuck and shut down. And what's interesting to me about that is that is that often you, we don't get people coming in at the beginning of the train wreck. Um, no. What we get is people developing this pattern of sexlessness that that develops over time and deepens over time. And so by the time we see them, it's become habit as well. So we've Absolutely. got all these boulders in the road, and they're also in the habit of not touching. And, you know, you're, you're talking about something that I talk about a lot with my clients or when I do interviews, and that is that a large proportion of the problems I see in a sexless couple, and they don't have to be married. That's really a coined expression. They could just be in a committed or long-term or short-term relationship. But what I see is that sometimes it's just a matter of turning the dial on your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a matter of, you know, one of them gets up, in the morning and is you know feeling their oats in the morning and the other comes alive at 11 at night and yep. they're just so off or they have different work schedules and so that kind of adjustment really takes talking about it and it, it's not a it's not a difficult fix sometimes it's you you need to have a nooner <laughs> that's a great way yep. to get this get this train back on the track and sometimes it's as simple and I know it sounds silly it's as simple as putting a damn lock on your door <laughs> so well, that, hey, the dog doesn't come in your bed. <laughs> exactly. I mean, no, it doesn't sound silly, though. I mean, how many couples, when they get to the stage where their children are able to kind of walk in and out and, you know, knock on the door and stuff, find their sex life dwindle to nothing because they can't figure out how to deal with this with their kids? Exactly. Exactly. Children become a really powerful factor in this kind of shutting down out of embarrassment, if not shame that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure you face this as you work with clients, the biggest enemy of 
a positive sexual experience is toxic shame, whether it's about your body image or about a fantasy or a longing you've had or about how you think you smell or taste or mm -hmm. your skill base mm -hmm. or whatever it is that really gives you that sense of shaming and it's usually self-shaming this endless chatter that goes on in people's heads and something as simple as knowing that you can say no if you have a you know let's say a, a teenager who wants yep. to come in your room to borrow the remote control you, you know you, you develop your own style and you develop your own signals for when private time is happening but you have to claim that and you have to feel that you deserve that and I think that's another deficit that I see in my sexless couples is that one or both of them don't feel entitled in a positive or healthy way or deserving that this is an okay thing to put at the top of your priority or to-do yeah. list yeah. and you must make time for this because if you've fallen off and you really have habitualized yourself so that there is no time left for sex or touch or connecting in that body-to-body -body way it's not going to happen on its own because you've already filled the time and I have couples who say to me oh we know what you're gonna say yeah we did it again this week we found every other thing we could do except that and here we are talking to you and we laugh about it and then I say so how can we hold you accountable yeah so you have to be held accountable I mean, it's interesting to me. I find uh, oftentimes um, couples will say, will will resist my statement that they actually need to schedule this time. And, yes. and what I get is, well, you know, well, what about being spontaneous? And, you know, I don't want to schedule it. And it's a sort of like, well, I'm not telling you that in that time you must have full-blown sex. I'm telling you that you must schedule the time and create the space so that you can have physical contact. Because if you don't Absolutely. schedule it, it won't happen. It's really simple, you know. And Absolutely. The, the resistance to that is is always really fascinating to me. Is that they're coming in saying that 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 they they want this to change, and hyper resistant to to actually taking step one to make it change. Well, I, I also think that it gets back to what drives all human behavior, the motivational scale of pain on mm -hmm. one end and pleasure on the other. And it really, for some people, has to get so painful yeah. that they then find whatever the means is within themselves to get motivated to be dedicated and to take that risk. Because it's risky. And, and I'm sure, as you know, as a clinician, part of what we unearth are all the parts of the sexual self in this process. Yes. A couple is not just one thing, it's three things. It's one person, the other person, and the relationship itself, yes. which is why I love working with couples. It's much richer in terms of the complexity of the work. And, and I find that people really have to peel away the stuff that's in the way. You know, for a lot of the women that I work with, it's really body image issues are so profound a blockage to feeling free, to feeling comfortable in your skin, to wanting to share, be seen, literally. And and for men, it's performance anxiety. You know, it's it's the it's really a challenge because men are so pressured. They live in these pressure cooker lives around performance. And even though the sexual science literature is now so female friendly pushing us toward the process of the experience, toward pleasure, toward not having to perform. It's inculcated. It's out there. It's everywhere. And I think women feel it too, but I think guys feel it so profoundly. 
and they're like, oh my god, I gotta do that, and I gotta do that, and you know, men, it's not fair. Men were born with their genitalia on the outside, so it's pretty hard to fake certain parts of sex <laughs> as it, as it enough. is here for women. Yeah, right? no, uh, one of the things that I find fascinating is is how shaming the whole idea is to people that, that sex has stopped in the marriage, so much so that people don't talk about it to their friends. They don't share it with their intimates. They're deathly embarrassed about it and make up stories about their wonderful sex lives when actually what's going on is, is nothing. Absolutely. And I, when I was writing The Art of Sex Coaching, which is the training manual that I use to train sex coaches all around the world now, and when I was writing the book before that, which was an idiot's guide to sensual massage, it, I came up with this concept, which is that there are five levels or types of touch, but they're really like steps that lead up, but you can stay on one step at a time. Hmm. And those levels are really where couples get in trouble because it's really about touch that the terror resides, I think. I see that. Okay. And it's, you know, we go from healing touch to affectionate touch to sensual touch, to erotic touch, to sexual touch. And they have different energies, they have different mm -hmm. patterns and speeds, they relate to different parts of the body, and some of those parts there's eye contact, and some there's not, some's closed, some's not closed. And I find that when I, when I teach my couples the touch continuum, as I call it, what happens is they begin to actually sigh, like exhale in front of me in the room or on camera if we're doing this by Skype, for example. And they go, ah, oh, you mean it's okay to just like touch her butt and, you know, kiss the back of her neck and she doesn't have to then feel like she's expected to take her clothes off and have full sex with me? Yeah, it's okay. And so when I bring people back to the concept of touch, what is magical is that just by touching again, we know this from neuroscience, all kinds of funny things happen. Like when you're not feeling pressured to have sex or be sexual, what happens is you can relax and when you relax and you're sensual and you begin to feel good and you have the pleasurable sensations running through your body, you might want sex. Yep. <laughs> so there it is, you know, this kind of uh, inverse thinking happens and people begin to slow down and relax, which is partly what's wrong and why people aren't having sex to begin with. They're so wound up, they're not slowing down, they're rushing everything, and they're afraid of it. Mm. Well, and I, I, I find that one of the reasons people are afraid is if they've been locking down feelings for a long time, and there's a lot of, of negative feelings stored up, that they're afraid that should they become intimate again, that just overflows. Because the closer you feel to somebody, yeah, or you're vulnerable. And so all the yeah. emotion that they've been pushing aside, it might not even have to do with the partner. It might be grief over the death of a parent or, or anger at somebody at work. But all of that's been locked away. And if they start breaking those barriers down, People express fears that, that they'll start crying, for example, and never stop. Mm, yes, yes, or laughing, yes, <laughs> which or is laugh. another energetic nervous release yes. for many people. And, and I, I, you're on to something, which is that, you know, being, being sexual, being at that point of orgasm or even through the experience of orgasm 
is the ultimate vulnerable place mm -hmm. and moment. And it's the ultimate definition of letting go. And as you know, the French call it le petit mort, the little death, because you're in suspended animation. You are not in control. And so many people in today's world need or feel the need or want to be, quote, in control. Especially if we're gobbling up the news of how out of control the world is right now, which it is, <laughs> seemingly. And, you know, that infusion of input that's constantly bombarding us because we all live in an electronic universe. It's very different to just center in and be present with another human being and get to the basics, the primal basics. And so there's so much that gets unleashed in that state of vulnerability. I, I, I'm really glad that you're mentioning that because it's a terror to be that vulnerable for many people. It is. Most and, of us. Well, and I think, and you know, you also get two sets of people. You get one set who have been that vulnerable, but you get another set who have never been that vulnerable because I certainly see lots of women yes. who have never had an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, me too. you know, so there's that as well. You know, it, it, it's, it's, they stop t touching. They never manage to have an orgasm and then they stop touching and then they come in because they're miserable in the relationship. Yeah. And, you know, there's a really interesting statement that came out of um, the early research in what we call the sexless relationship by Dr. Barry McCarthy. And he and his wife wrote a really good book, Rekindling Desire, that actually was reprinted with an update recently. And one of the things that he discovered in the re research is that one of the reasons that women in relationship report a sexless marriage and what caused it for her is profound disappointment in the relationship. That just, it's like, wow. <laughs> that really gets my attention because now if that is what's going on, what does that really mean? You know, how much does that relationship and how much does sex have meaning and what are the variant meanings? Because we know that sex means different things for different people at different times. Mm -hmm. And what's really going on in that relationship that could create such a profound state of disappointment? And often that's the gateway in where we begin to discover what's really behind that closed door. It's very deep work, isn't it? It is. And I think that people often don't expect it to be. Um, yeah. And and so um, they will come in and they expect a quick behavioral fix. Um, maybe a bit of a clearing out, you know, and, and, and maybe a bit of a communication tune up and they don't expect the level of death, but of course it would be deep work yeah. <laughs> because we're, it, it is, sex is profound, but people just, well, don't, it's, they don't expect it when they come in. And, you know, my framework for what sex means is that it's an essential part of self of your humanity. It's mm -hmm. not an add-on. And when people really slow down and take a breath and let that in, things begin to really shift for them. It's it's really beautiful to be a part of that healing process. Yes, it is. Um, so briefly, what do you think about um, folks who now are identifying as asexual? Well, how does that fit I in have, for you? 
I have a very conflicted sense about asexuality, and um, I, we have this discussion among our peer groups as sexologists because our sexuality is an essential part of our being human. We're animals, we're biologically programmed. And when I hear or read or am in the presence of the concept of asexuality as a clinical sexologist, there's a part of me that questions how we're really defining that and mm -hmm. how the person is self-defining in terms of that. I have had clients who have said to me, you know, I think I'm an asexual. And with great honoring and respect, we've explored that. And usually there is a different definition when we really look into that. I also, as a clinical sexologist and an advocate for sexual rights as human rights, I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable acknowledging that asexuality is something if people want to identify as that, as their self-definition and their sexual identity, they, they have a right to that. Mm -hmm. So it's a very conflicted experience for many sexologists to evaluate and really in-depth analyze this particular movement in sexology worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it does appear to be part of a movement and actually a movement that I'm comfortable with, which looks at far more, far more um, levels um, and spectrums of sexual mm -hmm. orientation instead of just talking about um, sexual orientation being heterosexual to homosexual. The fact that we're now having many axes um, I think is is much more accurate and also much more healthy. But that one's an interesting one to try to understand. What, what's your position on it? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I have worked with people who identify as asexual and um, their definition of sex is slightly different than, than mine. So um, mm -hmm. there is erotic touch, but there isn't, full sex now now i know that for every person who identifies this way it's different um and so you asked me if you just took the the definition of the english word asexual and if you asked me if they were asexual i would have told you no it's their sexual identity but do, do they fit that definition of the word which means having no sexual feelings exactly um, and so it, it, it's also a difficult one for me because it is, there seems to be, I mean, I think everybody's sexuality is, an, is as individual as a fingerprint. Um, mm -hmm. Something that um, Dr. Medic John Barker said in an interview that I did with them. And it was fabulous because I, I just really agree with that. But at the same time, we can often have a little, make a little bit of sense out of the category um, that somebody chooses. And in that case, I have trouble making sense because each person that I've met who's identified as asexual is so has such a different definition of sex. Exactly. And when we say having sex, we could be meaning 36 different things from what the other person is expecting that's the communication about. So, you know, often when I talk to my clients, a lot of the conversation is about defining what do you mean by having sex? Mm -hmm. And that's why the definition of sexless relationship is a little bit vague because were they asked, was the penis inserted into the vagina? Well, what if they're same sex? Well, you know, et cetera. So, yeah. you know, I think there's a movement away from the binary, whatever mm -hmm. the binary is, whether it's male, female, man, woman, 
uh, gay, straight, a word I don't particularly like, um, etc. about anything. And I see that movement is really expanding our possibilities and allowing people to self-define. And I think that's where I come from, is allowing people to define themselves the way they see themselves authentically and giving them the resources and tools to really move into that and manifest that for themselves. And, and, and I think that, that ultimately that um, is a healthier place for everyone yeah. when, when, they, when there are more choices available rather than less. Yes. Um, so how do people find you if they want to work with you um, or if they want to study under you? Sure. Um, well, I have three websites, and the best website is my website, where my name is, which is drpattybritton.com. That's my home site. And in that site, I also define my model and my method for how I work as a sex coach and as a clinical sexologist. I take very, very few new clients. Mm -hmm. I tend right now to take only uh, therapist referred clients. So 100% of my clients are referred by their therapist because most therapists don't have the training to talk openly and accurately around sexual issues, which is why my passion really is to train professionals and that's where most of my time is spent. So you can visit me at sexology you letter u.com where professionals can obtain now a 220 hour plus certification program in sexology and at sex coach you where I'm still training sex coaches we're now in 50 countries and I'm very proud of my mission which is to empower and train others so they can carry on this work towards sexual healing in the world from a sex positive perspective um, those are the best ways to find me and um, I, you know, I, I travel internationally. I'm sorry I'll miss you. I didn't realize that you were in the UK. I was there the last couple of years, but I'm going back to Prague in oh, June to the World Congress of Sexology, which is the last four days of May. And, uh, and then I'm leading a five-day intensive in a beautiful retreat center outside of Prague where we're going to take a deep dive into personal transformation. And then I go back to Warsaw, Poland for the fifth year in a row where we lead our intensives there every, every summer. And so that's, that's my summer vacation, so to speak. I <laughs> where, love it. <laughs> I go work and train people and I love it. I love my students. I love all the people who come into our tribe. And I always look forward to the live events because that's what really gets, gets me re-enthused and re-energized. So hope to see some of you who are listening to this at one of those events. And all um, and the detail for the website will be um, the link is on the notes for this podcast, as well as all the social media links and a link to the free ebook um, that Dr. Patty is offering. So all you'll need to do is click the link to get that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. For <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Well, I have had you. I know. <laughs> I know. We've had each other for this wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. It's been great. You, you know, I love that you work from the same perspective and that we're really helping the same kinds of individuals and couples. And and this is still a burgeoning issue. It's really a worldwide pandemic. It's it's not a little part of where couples are at today. So it's, I'm so thrilled we could talk about it. 
Me too. And I will no doubt invite you back. Um, but most likely, I've got a second podcast where we do a little bit of, uh, of in-depth stuff. Um, and I think this is an interesting conversation to continue um, because it, it has knock-on effects for all parts of life. Yeah, it does. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for listening to the A to Z of Sex this week. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com and visit both websites, www.a to z of sex.com and www.the-intimacy-coach.com. As you know, I help individuals, couples, and polyamorous groups to create, find their ideal, lasting, intimate relationships and to heal relationship and sexual issues. My free ebook, 74 Movies That Are Not Pornography, can spice things up. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.a-to-zofsex.com and click on the button that says Book Now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, and please subscribe. And join me next week when the letter will be T. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.